1: Asia-Pacific stocks are trading mixed this morning. I'm Michelle Martin. Good to have you with me here on Market View. Investors in Sydney who are returning from a three-day weekend are selling off the ASX 200, down more than 2%. Tokyo and Seoul, on the other hand, are choking up some marginal gains on the back of a Wall Street rally overnight. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, including the sale of Twitter, of course. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Morning, Michelle. He's done it. The world's richest man, Elon Musk, has apparently pulled off the purchase of one of the world's most prominent and influential social media platforms, Twitter. The deal valued at 44 billion US dollars, and he's done it in less than one month. And at the price he first announced, 54.20 per share. Now, while the deal still has to be officially be approved by shareholders and regulators, closing a deal this big is nothing less than remarkable. There's so many questions, Ryan what this deal means for Twitter stakeholders, users, investors, employees, even the ethics of a major, what used to be public, forum being purchased and privatised by the wealthy. But first, let me start with this one. What's next? We know the purchase is going to be scrutinised by US regulators. Are they likely to stop it in the first place?
0: Yeah, that's a good question, right? What will happen when the richest guy on earth buys a media platform? Is there a cause for concern? But I guess maybe there might be, but at the same time, legally he can do so. Uh, at least going by some of the historic practices we've seen by regulators, what we can infer is they are unlikely to stop. It. We've seen Jeff Bezos by the Washington Post um, for the stuff that has been blocked, it includes what you might remember, or at least what they oppose, things like Facebook buying, Instagram, and also WhatsApp. That was passed at first, and then some people started to raise questions about it. So it's usually around the concentration of media power or media companies just getting bigger. And in this case... Elon Musk does not own any current media company. He pretty much has his hands tied up with Tesla, SpaceX, the borrowing company. So, stuff that does not have anything to do with the media space. So, there isn't that antitrust component to worry about. So, if you are thinking about whether there's going to be any concern for regulators to want to stop it, on that front, there isn't any. So, something they could look at closely but are unlikely to find any cause for concern.
1: All right. The speed at which this deal has taken place is really breathtaking. It's pretty amazing that Twitter's board did not consider other offers either. There is some speculation that they wanted to rush to approve the deal before the company's quarterly earnings are released this week. Now, why could that be?
0: Yeah, It's quite interesting. You've been watching the headlines in the past few days, right? You had Elon Musk saying he wants to buy Twitter. And then you had quite a bit of a pushback uh, from the management of Twitter saying, hey, we want to swallow a poison pill. Maybe that was all part of the negotiation tactics. And this is something interesting to see it finally taking shape. They have both reached a deal despite all the uh, rhetoric. We now have a deal on the table. In fact, it's the same deal as before, $54.22 per share. So that is um, something to think about maybe they are seeing some pressure from shareholders after Elon Musk said he secured financing. So it showed that he had some credible backing in terms of money and shareholders just thinking, hey, maybe all the reasons Elon Musk raised are valid that we need to shake things up at Twitter and Elon Musk is the right guy. And that pressure um, came forth and started to change the minds of the Twitter board. And they started to have a meeting with Elon Musk and they in turn agreed to the terms and now we have a deal done. So we have a few details now and we are expecting a filing by the end of this week to come through with even more details, possibly to answer questions like who will run Twitter because Elon Musk was not happy with how... Twitter has run in the past few years, so maybe a change of management might be part of the discussion. How it will be run, Mm. when talk about censorship and policies, Mm -hmm. that could be also something to look at. And of course, um, maybe some color on features that might be interesting to think about. And that will be something he will be able to do once Twitter goes private and he can pretty much do anything he wants at the same time. timeline he wants.
1: Someone's saying it makes complete sense that uh, Musk because he runs Neuralink which is a company exploring brain machine interfaces would be interested in Twitter because it's sort of like a running commentary you know a running human diary the closest thing you have to stream of consciousness um, that's physical that we can all enter and all monitor at the same time. Um, But back to the implications of the deal what about Twitter's employees? They've largely been left in the dark during these negotiations and many are wondering what's going to happen to their stock options once the company is privatized and what could Musk's purchase mean for their jobs? What do we know about how this deal will affect employees?
0: Yeah, that's a good question, right? So, according to reports, we have some information that the stock options will be converted and if you think about how Um, Twitter shareholders or employees have been digesting the news. A lot of it has come through from um, speculation, reports in the media. So understandably, they've been on hooks on what will happen next. Um, So they'll be worried about how things could change in terms of the company policy. So if they are not comfortable with, for example, how Twitter is run in terms of how it approaches censorship, that could be something to make them think twice about their future plans at Twitter. Uh, For now, Twitter says... There are no plans for any layoffs at this point, so that's good news. And also Twitter's remote work policies will continue until the deal closes. So it does give a bit of a vague response that for now, things won't change until they do. So something to really watch closely when Elon Musk does take the reins and stamp his style of work.
1: There's been a lot of speculation as to whether Musk will uh, let former Donald Trump back onto twitter but before that we know that musk has been sort of a vocal critic of twitter policies long before he talked about buying the company and i was just going through his latest tweets and he's still talking about free speech and all the things that he wants to do to enhance twitter in line with this goal of uh, the idea of free speech being the bedrock of functioning democracy so what are some of the likely changes that musk may make
0: Yeah, that is an interesting question because looking at some of the Twitter reactions, some Twitter users have been asking will Elon Musk clamp down on his haters, those who criticize him, because he now owns Twitter. So it looks like he is unlikely to do so because he has tweeted and welcomed his haters to stay on the platform because of his approach towards what he calls free speech. Everyone is welcome, including his haters. So on that front, it looks like he is at least putting where his promises are. What he's looking at is just making it inclusive. So that is one part of the equation. The other part is features that he could introduce to jazz things up, things like an edit button for your tweets Mm. things that could help to defeat the spam bots and the trolls maybe more AI to figure out who is real and not authenticating all humans is something he's trying to push for and just making the platform more trustworthy I think that's a big one trying to increase trust in Twitter and all that will help to unlock what he calls tremendous potential in the social media platform.
1: You can expect a lot of debate over these enhancements to the features of Twitter in the upcoming weeks and months probably as we talk about whether authenticating human means doing away with anonymity on Twitter and whether or not that'll be a good thing, for one. Making algorithms open source, is that going to increase trust or um, you know increase possible chaos? There's also a lot of speculation as to whether Musk will let former President Donald Trump Back onto Twitter, Trump currently banned for life and that's why some say Musk is now probably the most powerful publisher in the world, right? Because Jack Dorsey was able to cancel the U.S. president, so to speak. Now, there's no word yet as to what Musk is going to do on this front, the Trump front. But Trump has said he doesn't want back on. And another interesting angle to the story is the impact that Musk's purchase of Twitter is going to have on Trump's own social platform, True Social. So what do you think? If Musk loosens Twitter rules, is there still a place... For Truth Social, is it still relevant?
0: Yeah, some supporters are already tweeting, make Twitter great again, <laughs> bring back Donald Trump. But so far, Donald Trump has said he's going to stick with Truth Social, as bad as it is, because um, so um, that's um, looking at the impression or at least the reaction so far in the share price of digital world Acquisition Corporation, that's a blank check company set to take Donald Trump's media venture public. That in reaction was down overnight by nearly 13%. And for year to date, its losses are over 30%. So investors, not really too optimistic about how Trump's own social media platform will play out. And uh, maybe in time to come, he might change his mind and join Twitter again.
1: How do you, uh, one winner for the deal, maybe something that doesn't first come to mind, the cryptocurrency Dogecoin. So Musk has been a prominent backer of Doge and its price surged 30% overnight. Uh, How do you feel about Twitter's takeover? Uh, Likely depends on where you are on the political spectrum, at least over in the United States. Conservatives still angry about Trump's ouster from the platform call it a victory for free speech. Liberals say it's a sign that the rich need to be taxed. more. What do you think?
0: Yeah, for shareholders, they have a lot to digest. So it's mainly good news. You have a chance to unlock your Twitter shares in terms of the um, price that is unlikely to reach without Elon Musk's intervention. So Elon Musk has pretty much given a good exit price for many shareholders. Um, Twitter has been languishing for quite some time in terms of struggling to make profit. Mm. And for many shareholders, they have argued that Things need to be shaken up, especially with intensifying competition when you see the likes of Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, TikTok, all just eating the attention or taking up the attention of users, potential users. So that is one of the considerations at play here. How much or what type of future will Twitter have without Elon Musk? You have to change things up before things really just get onto a slippy slope and there's no chance to turn around. So something to really chew on is this the best offer on the table for many people they are saying yes this is something that needs to be done and Elon Musk is the guy to do so.
1: You know, everybody's going to be reading his tweets for, for a while and subscribing to Elon Musk. More popular than ever on Twitter, I'm sure. A- a- apart from social media, let's turn to uh, soft drinks, specifically Coca-Cola. It's reporting first quarter earnings that come in above analysts' expectations. Coke grossed $10.5 billion US billion in the first quarter of the year, 16% higher than a year earlier. So what's driving Coke's business? And are consumers just more thirsty? What's going on?
0: <laughs> yeah, so in some form... They- They might be more thirsty, and that's because you have a resumption in activities, people going back to life in some normalcy to some extent, entertainment sports are back, live sports, stadiums are starting to fill up again, people going back out again, not staying at home as much. So all that is fueling the demand for drinks like coke so that is helping coke and in turn coke has been raising its prices in the face of higher material costs and shipping fees that has meant its margins uh, have been protected to some extent and people have been willing to pay for those higher prices so that pretty much is what's happening here coke is seeing little sign of uh, consumer pushback despite higher prices so something that is um good for now but it is warning they might see a negative consumer reaction in time to come with those higher prices so something they are quite cautious about if uh, they can sustain these high margins
1: CNBC's Jim Cramer says Coca-Cola quote put on a clinic during its earnings announcement at 65 US dollars a share Cramer thinks the company is a good buy what do you make of his argument
0: Yeah, he has a reason, or at least he has a strong argument, right? So, Koch, like many other companies, has the same challenges, facing the same issues as many other companies. The same problems of high um, material costs, higher wages, supply chain challenges. Despite all that, Koch has been able to ride out the storm. And he's putting it down to good management. And that is one of the key fundamentals for a good ship. Price And this is something he's saying, no, this makes Coke a very good stock to hold on for the long term and something that will continue to um, gain momentum as we see capacity of production increase and also demand coming back after many economies start to resume normalcy
1: almost a case study of how to weather inflationary pressures. Let's zoom out now, take a look at broader markets. Wall Street rallied overnight. The Nasdaq jumped 1.3%, Dow and S&P 500 finished higher as well. It was a very different story over in Hong Kong and China yesterday, where the major indices fell 3 to 5%. The CSI 300 is trading at its lowest level since April 2020. The renminbi depreciating as well. So what's behind investor angst over in China? Is it primarily the latest COVID-19 flare-up?
0: Yeah, that is pretty much it. So that is right at the centre of the discussions right now in the markets where China is on top of the worry list. So we've seen how Shanghai has been going through a lockdown into its third or fourth week right now. So the latest issue here is Beijing. So Chaoyang City in Beijing is undergoing mass testing and overnight we heard news 11 more districts in beijing will join chaoyang so there is a fear right now that beijing will in time to come possibly see a full lockdown like what you're seeing in shanghai and in turn that will mean an impact a wider impact on the chinese economy and things will just have a knock-on effect on for example, the demand for oil, which is slumping, on demand for commodities, the overall Chinese growth outlook. And all that will just mean stock prices of markets will start to price it in. Already on Monday, we saw that to some extent, the Shenzhen component was down over 6%. The Shanghai Composite was down nearly 5%. And also part of the issue here is... Investors are not seeing the level of support from policyholders or policymakers as much as they hoped. Uh, we've heard from policymakers saying they will support the economy, shore up growth, stabilize markets, but I think you are getting a sense that investors are starting to get a bit tired about the lack of follow-through, so the promises are not being met to the same level of expectations. Uh, also, something that will play out as well as what's happening, to the Chinese currency that is under pressure right now with the worries around the economy, uh, pushing its lowest levels in more than a year.
1: Oil prices tumbling again as well. Brent crude trading at 102 U.S. dollars a barrel. West Texas has dropped back below the hundred dollar level. What is the sense in markets about this? Are we in for more volatility, or could this easing of oil prices really be the start of a trend, Ryan?
0: Yeah, it could be if things stay this way for a long time. So you are looking at oil prices overnight down by 4% to its lowest levels in two weeks. And it's all around the global energy demand outlook in Shanghai, and or rather in China. So we are worried about the supply situation at first because of the Ukraine war, and now we're worried about the demand picture because of China. And also what's worth noting is China is the world world's biggest oil importer. And whatever happens to the Chinese economy will have implications for oil prices. So worth noting as well, oil prices hit their highest since 2008 just last month in early March. And since then, prices have collapsed by about 25%. So it's a big U-turn. And also adding pressure on oil prices is the stronger US dollar. So it's now at a two-year high on the dollar index. And this is also supported by a um, series of rate hikes that we are expecting to come through from the Fed this year. So a stronger dollar will make oil more expensive for other currency holders. So a lot of pressure on oil prices right now, uh, something that could continue to drift lower if things stay the way they are.
1: Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. The SDI fell 0.6% yesterday to 33.39. Yangtze Chang shipbuilding and Hong Kong land led the way lower. While Singapore stocks were down, they fared better than most other markets in the region. Does there appear to be signs that investors are shifting some funds from China, Hong Kong and Japan to Singapore and perhaps other Southeast Asian markets?
0: Yeah, when you look at the headlines these days, it's really dominated by what's happening in China. So you have a lot of excuses for investors to take profit from that part of the world and move it elsewhere to a safer place. And Singapore fits that description. It's a safe haven um, market of sorts. So the uncertainty of regulations that we see in China with the clampdown, the geopolitical tensions that we see between China and the US and many other trading partners, the impact of the slump in the property sector, that is still playing out. So all those question marks are just growing larger and investors just thinking it may be time to move elsewhere where things are more predictable, less uncertain. So, Yes, to some extent, Singapore will be one of the potential beneficiaries.
1: Singapore's headline inflation number jumped 5.4% in March. Now, the last time, prices were rising so fast here. Kelly Clarkson's Stronger was at the top of the charts and the Avengers had not yet been released that date, 10 years ago in April 2012. Ryan, the 5.4% headline number may actually seem... A bit low to some people, based on some eye-popping prices you experience when you're out there shopping, eating, uh, filling up your petrol tank. Why is that?
0: Yeah, uh, Kelly Clarkson really puts things in context. <laughs> it's a long time—ten years—the highest in ten years. So you've got a couple of reasons driving these higher inflation inflation numbers. Uh, among them, you've got the pickup in private transport and accommodation costs. That's a big one. So that is something that's driving up um, the cost of living here. And the labour market is also another reason. We are expecting it to remain tight and that will support a uh, firm pace of wage increases over the coming year. So something that will then feed through to business costs and then to consumer prices down the road. And that will keep core inflation expected to stay significantly above his his, uh, his historical average through the year. So something that could remain peakish for now.
1: Are inflation worries weighing at all on local stocks? How's the STI trading this morning?
0: Let's take a quick look at where we are for the STI. We are coming off yesterday, which broke a four-day winning streak. And right now, looking at STI, where the region is pretty much in the red right now, you've got the STI also tracking those losses, down 0.2% at 3,331. And on the 30 constituents, you've got more red than green right now, just eight counters in the green. At the bottom, we have Yang Zhijang shipbuilding, down more than 3%. percent the Engineering down more than 3% as well. Same for Wilma International, down 3%. Followed by Venture Corp, Tai Beth, Gunting Singapore, Senkop Industries, and pretty much all three banks are in the red, just slightly underwater. At the top of the table, we have SingTel up 2.2%, followed by Dairy Farm, Hong Kong land, capital and integrated commercial trust. And Ascenders read. So that is a rather cautious picture we have in the opening minutes.
1: Time now for more corporate news and other headlines. And for this, it is time for Up or Down. We open the books and Ryan and me weigh in on whether we think a company uh, could be moving upwards or downwards. Let's look at General Motors. General Motors. That's going to be an up
0: for me. That is with the headline that it is producing electric Chevrolet Corvettes.
1: I wonder how it's going to sound. I think
0: a lot of these EV makers will start to make synthetic sounds. So even though it doesn't make any sound, they will just make some sound effects just to make it sound sexy.
1: I like the quiet. But who knows whether. the car is. Maybe you can customize
0: it according to the driver, right? Switch
1: on sound, switch off sound the way you do with aircon. Uh, well, if Tesla's success is anything to go by, I think GM's electric Corvette's going to be a hit. So it's an up for me as well. Let's look at APEC Realty.
0: Okay, APEC Realty, which runs the ERA property agency, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be an up for me. So it's in the news because Morgan Stanley Private Equity has bought a stake of nearly sixty percent for from North Star. So that's for one hundred thirty million dollars.
1: Up for me uh, for APEC Realty in the back of that news too. Let's look at Board Apes.
0: All right, this is the NFT. So the Board Ape Yacht Club NFT has been hit with a hack on Instagram. So someone has stolen $1 million worth of NFTs.
1: okay. So that's down for me. Really, I'm going to go with an up because um, they're moving to the real world, Ryan. From NFTs to a burger joint in California, Long Beach, diners can now eat out with one of the world's most popular NFT series, Bored Apes. The restaurant is called bored and hungry. And it's said to be the world's first NFT-themed restaurant and initial reports say the burgers are not so bad.
0: Alright, I hope (laughs) it's cheap because NFTs these days are quite crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Let's look at travel searches for Singapore speaking of crazy prices.
0: Okay, so this is up for me because today actually marks a pretty big day for Singaporeans. It's Doscon Yellow one step down from orange and restrictions are easing up and already before today people have been searching for Things related to travel. So, travel searches are picking it up. So, that's an up for me.
1: Up for me as well. Now that COVID 19 restrictions are being eased, travel searches for Singapore, by the way, are on the rise. This, according to Bloomberg and data tracked by economists over at Maybank. And finally, we land on space travel. That is an up for me. And that's
0: <laughs> with the news that the first space tourists to the International Space Station are finally heading back to home after bad weather delayed their return
1: trip by eight days. Oh my gosh, I'm not sure how to make of this one. NASA has turned the International Space Station into an Airbnb and three rich tourists accompanied by an astronaut were taken there. It was meant to be a week-long stay, but they ended up staying 17 days because of that. Travel delay. Bad weather, you know, in space. Uh, the trip costs each space tour is $55 million US dollars. What do you make of this, Ryan? If you had $55 million to spend, would you take a trip to space?
0: Yeah, I'm sure they had a good deal, right? Really milking what it was worth just an extended vacation. And I think for many um, wealthy people out there, they are just all about experiential journeys. And this is mm-hmm. really something you can't pay for anywhere else, so...
1: I don't know if I could take 17 days of dehydrated food.
0: Yeah, that's the downside (laughs) of it, right? The space ice cream and the uh, freeze-dried... Whatever food you have on board, <laughs> something that will be part of the experience.
1: I don't know. Maybe for $55 million they had gourmet freeze-dried food. 9.30 on the clock. Headline news is next. Thank you for being with us here on Market View.
0: Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.
1: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at MoneyFM893.sg or download our audio app.